Uh, how many of you noticed when you walked in today that the entire front of the building has been removed? Anybody notice that? Some of you go, what? What? I didn't see anything. But um, we are, uh, we're, gonna, we're entering into second decade of our ministry here, and we thought there's some things that we really want to bring into change. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go through this. But I want to show you a, a, an architectural sketch of what it's going to look like. Um, so it's really quite a bit different. You say it looks the same. No, it doesn't look anything like it. Um, it's actually uh, that center section there is all white stucco, and then it doesn't really show it, but then it's, this is all white and silver, and then that cross is 31 feet high. Just to kind of put it in perspective, our current building outside is 21 feet high. So does that kind of give you an idea? Uh, the I was motivated to do the cross because we had someone complain about that small wooden cross we had outside. Remember that one? It was only about eight feet high, and I said, I'll fix you. And, uh, and so I just said, we're just going to do a proper cross, and it'll be 31 feet high. It's already been approved, permitted. Everything's good. And uh, so you're going to, if all goes well, we'll, uh, we'll be able to enjoy the finished product by December. So just want you to know what we're doing and uh, kind of keep you up to date. You're going to see changes happen slowly at first, and then they'll kind of uh, build up a little bit of steam as we go through this. Today, I want to talk to you about change. I want to talk to you about three things that, that you, I want you to consider putting on the list for change. Number one, change your expectation. Number two, change your mindset. And number three, change your perspective. It's easy to get stuck, isn't it? Stuck in the way things look. Stuck in the way that you think. Stuck in what you expect to happen in your life, in your community, in your world. But God is never stuck. God is, is never static. He is always moving. He's always bringing about change. Change is one thing that you cannot control because it will happen with you or without you. But if you stay stuck in your position, your mindset, your perspective, your expectation, what you do is you miss what God wants to do in your life through the change he's bringing about. If you read the Bible, you'll notice that uh, in the Old Testament, there's like 17 kings, 14 of them were bad. Some of them were just outright evil. And yet God worked in the midst of bad leadership. Isn't that interesting? And when you begin to go through, you see the kingdoms rise. I make this comment, it shocks people at first until I explain it, but the Bible is the most political book in the world. It starts with the kingdom of Babylon in chapter 10 of the book of Genesis, and they're contending with Babylon, and Babylon is always in this battle. In fact, even to the end of the age, through to Revelation chapter 17 and 18, you see this battle with Babylon. But you see kingdoms rise. You see uh, all kind of tribal groups, and we'll mention some of those today. Uh, then you'll see kingdoms like uh, the Assyrians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, and you'll see all these kingdoms, and they're always contending. Remember? And, and so what happens is the kingdom of God is always working in the midst of the kingdoms of man. But they're always at odds. Never, never are they walking down the same road. They're always, there's always a divine tension that exists there. And I believe that divine tension is there on purpose so that you don't fall too much in love with the systems of the world but that you work through the systems of the world to bring about the kingdom of God and change in your generation. You see, every generation has a challenge they have to conquer. 
You know, if you were living in the early 1900s, you had to conquer somehow this idea of a world war, the first time it ever happened. Then you had to face the Great Depression. And that generation had to figure out, how do we solve this problem? And then they had to figure out, how do we solve World War II? And then Vietnam. And you can just go right down the list. Every generation has to solve a problem. And you can say, well, I just wish it was like the old days. Which old days? You want the, you want the Spanish flu? You want the World War I? What do you want? You want World War II? You want the atomic bomb dropped on? What do you want? It's never the good old days. The days are always good in the kingdom of God. They're always good there. You know why? Because you rise above the difficulties and challenges of your generation. And you find a way to solve a problem. And I really believe the testing that God puts us through in this life is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians, because what you do well here will be rewarded there, and responsibilities will be given in eternity. You say, well, I just want to get to heaven. No, that's not, that's not the goal. That's only the avenue. The goal is to lift up the glory of God, to demonstrate who he is on earth and give him glory and change lives wherever you are. We're missional people. That's our goal. That's the goal we have. If it was just to get to heaven, the moment you got saved, God would just kill you, take you to heaven, it's all good. Right? That's never the goal. That's just step one. So I want to talk to you a little bit about changing your expectation, but first I want to give you a scripture that kind of sets this up. Uh, In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 33, it says, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now the context is that they're getting ready to go into the land, the promised land, Israel is, and uh, so they send out 12 spies into the land. And when they go into the land, 10 of them give a bad report. In fact, the report was, we look like grasshoppers. We were small. What can we do? Have you ever said that in the, in the midst of the days we live in? What can I really do to make a difference? I want to do something. Well, I think the first thing you do is you have to change your expectation. Well, let's look at Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. This is how God kind of sets up the story. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Pause right there. What did God say he was going to do with the land? He's going to give it to them. I'm going to give you the land. I just want you to see what I'm getting ready to give you. You ever had a parent do that when you were growing up? I want to show you the Christmas gift I have, and then I'm going to wrap it up and put it under the tree. It's a miserable experience, is it not? I want it now, right? I'd rather you never show it to me. So what God says, I'm going to show you what I'm going to give you because I want to test you to see if you can be obedient to follow through on faith. God does that to you every day of your life. Watch what it says. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. So we're not just sending anybody. We're, we're picking out from all the 12 tribes of Israel, but we want a leader. We want the best of the best you have in their, your tribe to go into the land. Now, What happens in all of this is is the expectation is different because 10 of them are going to bring back a bad report and two of them a good report. 
So here's what I, what I want you to remember about your expectation. You will experience what you consistently expect. What do you expect? You're going to experience that. If you expect that life is going to be difficult, I promise you every day of your life will be difficult. Because you're like a walking prophecy. In fact, we do know something about science. We know that, the, uh, that, that the, the speech part of the brain is connected to our nervous system, and what we say does affect our nervous system. So when I say I'm sick, my nerves go, oh, I didn't know that. This is true, literally true. And all of a sudden, your nerves begin to be affected. How many of you have known people that are sick, and yet somehow they just are always have a good spirit about them? Right? Now, I'm that way until I get home, and then my wife says, how you doing? Oh, baby, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make it. My last day on earth, what are you going to do for me? You know, uh, I need a little, you know, a little loving, a little soup. What do I get here? But the reality is when we expect something, we typically experience it. Also, miracles, remember this, they don't go where they're needed. You say, I need a miracle. That doesn't mean you're going to get a miracle. They go where they're expected. Are you expecting miracles? Do you live with the expectation God is going to do something? You wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's going to be good, God. Instead of, man, I am toast. You ever done that? I'm toast. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I just, it's just miserable. I, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. We'll get back in and get on the out, out on the other side, right? I mean, there's something you has got to change here. Kingdom declarations, however, are kingdom decrees. When you make a kingdom declaration, God, I believe you're working in my life. God, I believe you're bringing about good in my life. You're making a kingdom declaration. That becomes a part of your life. Now, all of a sudden, God makes a decree in it. Let me give you a scripture, Job chapter 22 and 28. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Start declaring things in your life, in your children's life, in your children's children's life. I pray for my great-great-grandchildren, and I don't have any. You know why? Because I want the prayers to move forward generationally into my family you know, and I'm just going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to store up prayers and blessings and favor on people that aren't even born yet. Amen? So anyway, we've, uh, we've been, we started this church in a, in a living room uh, on 2-12-12. Some of you, that's new news. Some of you, you've heard this for 10 years now and you're tired of it. But but uh, we did. We started there and not really knowing what God was doing. And it was really such a great, interesting time because uh, I remember we got, uh, we announced that we're going to start a church. Uh, I didn't know I was going to do that. My wife didn't know she, I was going to do that. And then uh, somebody said, well, where, where are we meeting next week? And I said, uh, yeah, I don't know. And one guy said, I've got a lobby. My dad's got a lobby. We can meet in the lobby. And uh, I still remember sitting there. It was raining on that day, and I looked out the window, and there was Congressman Rogan and his family sitting outside in the rain uh, on that second night that we started. And, and then we went next night. We went to the, uh, the third week. We went into uh, El Rancho School, then the movie theater, and then we finally bought this building. 
But God was in, in, just in his hand was in that first decade, and, and I really believe that God works in special ways uh, in seasons, don't you? You know, there's seasons in your life where you go like, well, God was doing this in this season, and God was doing this in this season, and this in this season, and, and that's part of the change that God brings about. And what we do is we try to say, how do I align myself with the season that God is bringing us into? Um, so some of you don't know, we have this building here, and then across the street we have two offices that we lease across the street, and our children's ministry was growing so much that we, we took about half of that and turned it into, on Sundays and Wednesdays, into a children's ministry. And if you've ever been over there, if you've been through Link Clash, you know it's like a gypsy market over there. It really is. It's just like there's kids, and you're going like, where do I go, and what's going on here? And uh, we just really began to press in and pray and say, God, what do you want for us? What are we gonna, what's our next step? And so I want to show you a building. We actually photoshopped the, uh, the name of the, of the church on it. Um, because we're declaring it to be ours. Um, you know, I, I really, I love to walk by faith and hate to walk by faith. Is that fair? I mean, it, talk about a love-hate relationship, right? And so uh, we began to, to press into this one and see what God would have for us. And it, it's for sale. It's, uh, it's about 22,000 square feet. And we found out that it had something interesting about it. That is, it had someone, the seller, had someone who wanted to lease one of the floors. And they were going to pay $20,000 to lease that floor every month. And so those of you know, and it was triple net. So what that means, for those of you who may not know, that means they're going to pay their part of the taxes and repairs and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, we started kind of doing the math, and we appraised it. We appraised this one, and we realized that... Um, we could buy that building with very little money. And that was pretty exciting. And uh, if we could refinance it under a better rate, that we might be able to buy a $6 million building for about $4,000 a month. So, you know, you know, when you deal with lenders, uh, they're always positive until they're not. You know what I mean? And so... So we have two lenders we're kind of working with, and we're trying to get through this thing. But I want to talk to you about the first, the first decade, and those are the pioneers. You know, a lot of you don't know the reason you get to enjoy this building is because there were about uh, eight or ten people who made, made major gifts uh, to this church of, you know, $50,000 or more. And that's why we have it. You know, we, we had nothing. You know, when you go to a bank and you have, you're 13 months old, you say, I want to buy a $3 million building, and you have no credit and you have no money, and, you know, you, all you have is just faith. And we had, and I think, 106 banks tell us no. You know, that's not encouraging. And I remember, you know, we, 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 we couldn't find, it got so bad, we couldn't even find an extra nickel in a couch. You know what I mean? It was just like, we're looking for money everywhere. How do we do this? How do we do this? And God did a breakthrough. And some people came forward and they, and they helped us out. And they were the pioneers. You know, and, and I think we're entering the second decade. I'm going to call the builders. The builders is the second decade, the decade we're entering into now. And I really believe this building is a key uh, what it'll enable us to do is we're going to move all our offices over here. Uh, it'll also give us Bible study space on Sunday morning and on Wednesday nights for adults. It will also give us a permanent recording studio uh, that we can uh, do film and music in. 
Um, it's also going to um, enable us to take across the street and turn it completely into children's ministry. So we essentially double our children's ministry space, and we also get an office, and, and it's pretty good. So here's, here's what, what needs to happen. I, uh, I had coffee with someone on, on uh, last Monday, and I, I didn't have coffee for this purpose, but I had mentioned the, the building last week, if you remember, and so we sat down, and this person said to me, so tell me about the building. And I said, oh, okay, you know, and we, so we just talked about the building, and can we go see it? Can we walk over there? We walked over, we came back, and this person said, oh, okay, I'm going to give you between one hundred and fifty dollars and $200,000 toward that $600,000. And I was really shocked. I, I mean, I, especially when you don't ask, you know, and, and then people just, and I realized that, that we're in a season where you and I need to step up to take us into the next decade. So here's what we need. We need 600,000 less 150. So that's 450 if my preacher math is correct. And so I'm going to ask you today to really start to pray, to lean into that. Some of you can make very large gifts, and we need those, quite honestly. We can't, we need every gift, but we can't do this without gifts of fifty, seventy-five, and a hundred thousand dollars. It just doesn't work. The math doesn't work. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something really bold because this is also on live stream. I'm going to give you my mobile number, and here it is, right here. That is my mobile number. Okay, and I want you to text me and say, Pastor, this is what I'd like to do, or you can say, I'd like to sit down and talk to you more about it. Because I really think that God is going to do some amazing things. I was speaking with Sean Foyt. Remember Sean? Sean will be here next week. Um, Along with Kim Walker. So it's not going to be a bad weekend. And uh, Melody and Sean have written a new song for a documentary that's being done. And they're going to to do that song for you uh, next week. And it's going to be a great weekend. But I talked to Sean. And Sean is talking about establishing an office here in Southern California. And he would office with us over here at 8191. So we would have him. So if you don't think God's doing some cool stuff, he's doing some cool stuff. Amen. So there's my phone number. Um, Text me, call me, let's get together, and let's get this building. Amen? You also have to change your mindset. Let's go into the message here. Change your mindset. Look at Numbers 13, 27. By the way, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love this story because it so divides us into faith and non-faith. It says, we went out into the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. No denial here. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell in the sea along the banks of the Jordan. I don't know if you, you picked up the vibe of that section, but everything is why we can't do it. There's giants. The land is is beautiful, but they're never going to give it up. There's no way we can take that mountain. There's no way we can take that that area. There's no way we're going to be victorious. And then look in verse uh, 31 and 33. But the men who had gone up with said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. What am I going to do? I can't win. 
What am I going to do? And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're walking down the road and it just sucks you into the ground? It devours its inhabitants. How come those inhabitants aren't devoured? You see how, how we start exaggerating? We always exaggerate and make the situation worse when we don't want to trust God. I can't trust God, so I gotta, I gotta create giants in my life. That way everybody says, oh, I get it, because you got giants, you can't win. Now it all makes sense. Have you just had, you know, you know, non-giants, whatever that is. And all the people whom we saw in the land were of great stature, so they were tall people. The land is sucking people down. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak uh, came as giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in their sight. Where did it start? It started with they became a grasshopper in their thinking first. Once they thought small, then they thought everybody else thought they were small. How many times have you come home from school when you were growing up and said, nobody likes me? If you didn't say that, you were unique or total narcissist. Because somehow you always have that feeling like nobody likes me. Or, you know, I don't know what they're thinking about me. My dad, I used to say, Dad, I'm worried what people are going to think. He said, they're not even thinking about you, son. I mean, build my ego right there. No, they're not even thinking about you. You're going to be fine. Trust me. We, we make the giants in our mind, and then we can't win the battle. Fill in the blank. Where's the giants in your life that are keeping you from doing what you want to do and what God wants you to do? You've got to stop thinking that way if you're ever going to win the battles of life. You see, sometimes we want friends that are just going to comfort us. Do you ever like that? Let's call it my friends. I just feel so good when I get done. Well, you know, friends are good for comfort, but enemies are created for change. Friends never will push you forward into the next level. Your enemies will. Because you get so mad. You just go, I'm, you're not going to tell me I can't do it. Anybody ever said that? You ever read the book, The Millionaire Next Door? It's about all the C students. The C students who worked harder because they said nobody said they could. The A students they're teaching in the, in the university, and the C students are paying for the buildings they're teaching in. You see, there's something about the underdog we all love to watch, and when we experience in our own life, we work harder because we said, I'm going to beat that enemy. And the thing that I've learned when I've read the Bible is God doesn't care about the odds. You get the odds. What are the odds of me winning this? What are the chances? What's in my favor? God doesn't care. God doesn't care to the point he took his son, had him be born in Bethlehem, an insignificant town of no importance, technically. He got 12 guys, one of which was going to betray him, and he gave him a mission to change the entire world because God always works from the small to the big, from the bottom up, from the inside out. That's how God works in your life. You see, he didn't say, you know, 5,000 showed up to be fed, and all of a sudden they all left, and he looked at Peter, and he said, where have they all gone? Bottom line is they came for the banquet, and they left. They didn't want what he had to say. Well, where have they all gone? They've all gone. How about you? Are you going to leave too? Peter said, where shall I go? You have the words of life. 
He said, flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, revelation will always drive you into your next level of success in life, in meaning, purpose, and happiness. God doesn't care about the odds. You see, this is a truth that God just really hit me between the eyes. When you're surrounded by enemies, you're in the presence of God. Oh, wait, I don't know about that. Aurelia, how about Psalm 23? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, for I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen? Hey, we're, hey, you ought to rejoice. The presence of God is sweet in California because we got plenty of enemies. Amen? Come on, put your hands together. That's better than that. Why do you think God has brought more revivals to this state than any other state in the United States? Because God loves to work within the tension of an existing system to demonstrate that I am bigger than that system. Amen? I am bigger. I'm going to show you. Why did he take the Jews? Do you know why he said he took the Jews? He said because they were more obstinate than any other people. They were hard-headed. If I can work through the hard-headed people of this world, watch what I can do with you. This is how God works. Change your perspective. Numbers 1330. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and take possession. Wow, that's a different voice. You ever been in those circles where everybody's like depressed? Somebody goes, I don't see it's a big problem. It's like a breath of fresh air. For we are well able to take it and overcome it. You see, enemies increase your capacity. Caleb goes, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. Let's just go in and take it. What I found out is that fear is wasted energy. Tell me what you ever got from fear. Make a list. What benefits did fear give me? Well, I mean, my blood pressure went up. That was pretty cool. Um, I was scared all the time. I didn't want to go outside. I, uh, I didn't take that next uh, advancement in my life. I didn't push. I didn't risk. I didn't da-da-da-da. It's wasted energy. If you're going to use energy, why not use it for faith? Walk in faith, amen? You say, well, I, how do you know what to do? I don't have the time. I mean, I talk to myself all the time and go, Phil, this is not going to work. And then the Spirit of God says, why did you say that? Take it back. I won't. Take it back. No, take it back. Okay, I'll take it back, God. You got to take back stuff that you're, that you're saying that is not propelling you into your future. Numbers 14, 6 and 9. Then Joshua, remember Joshua and Caleb, the two positive voices, said, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. So doubt is rebellion against God. I didn't get any amens on that one. <laughs> doubt is rebellion against God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Do not be afraid of the people in the land because 
uh, we will devour them. The land's not going to devour. We're going to devour them. Their protection is gone. You know what I want to do? I want to make a prophetic declaration and say the protection over the agenda of those who want to bring evil to our land is gone. It's going away. And you can only hide so long because we're coming after you in righteousness, in the kingdom, and the declarations of the power of Almighty God. Amen? Amen and amen. Last thought. You will move in the direction of your dominant thought. What are you thinking about right now? What's your dominant thought? Oh, that preacher's crazy. Well, it, that's probably true, but that's, what's your dominant thought about your life? You see, there's something inside of all of us that wants to birth something bigger and better and longer lasting, amen? There's something in us that says, you know what? There's a legacy inside of me that needs to be released. I wanna bless a thousand generations. I wanna see God work in my life and through my life in amazing ways. And it all starts with you, it starts with me. It just starts with that step of saying, I believe, God, I'm gonna trust you even when the evidence is working against what I'm believing you for. I'm just gonna trust you. And I'm gonna see what happens because I'm gonna trust you, God, to the bitter end. Let's stand together and I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we pray, we, we ask you to take every person in this room and just increase their faith, God. Give them a, a divine courage that can only be explained by you. Let them seize the day that you've given them. Let them walk in the power and the fullness of God. Let them see the impossible as being possible. Let them take great risks for the kingdom. Reward them, Father, for their faith. You said you're a rewarder God. We're calling you that, God, because you call yourself a rewarder God. So God, reward your people. Bless your people. Protect, Father. For those who are challenged in economically or vocationally or physically in any other way, will you be the healer God in their life right now? Will you bring a wave of healing just right now? Just restoration in every person. Call upon the Spirit of God right now. Holy Spirit, just say these words out loud. Holy Spirit, come upon my life in power in authority, in healing. Give me the heart of a, of a lion. Make my way straight and protect me on life's journey. If you've not called upon the name of the Lord so as to be saved, call on his name now. Lord Jesus, save me. I believe you died on the cross, were buried, and rose from the dead to give me eternal life, and I believe you for that right now. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm confessing before you that you are Lord, and I'm believing you for salvation in your name, in Jesus' name. And all the people said amen, amen and amen.